Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Well, it's Friday. So this is when Krista takes over the mic and shares with you the post that you have put at Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. Uh, the purpose of Clark Stinks is where you get to give me feedback where you feel an answer I gave was lame, incomplete, or just plain wrong, or my opinions you think are from Mars or even a different solar system. So later, I'm also going to talk about what's going on with interest rates, how that's going to affect your wallet, even have some suggestions to benefit from something a lot of people are afraid of. So without further ado, it is time for... I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. So you're not going to believe this. There's only one Clark Stinks that was sent in for you this week. I don't believe Nobody you. thinks you stink. Well, April Fool's. April Fool's. <laughs> that was actually from Tom. Tom suggested that we do that. We say there were no stinks this week. There are plenty of stinks, so I'll get to them. Yeah, I, just a few thousand every week. <laughs> no, I love the Clark Howard podcast. Never thought I'd be writing to Clark Stinks, but I'm really disappointed that Clark hasn't talked about his recent vacation. He mentioned several times over the past few months that he planned to take his son on a spring break cruise. How did it go? What were the COVID-19 restrictions like? Anything he would have done differently? Any tips for others planning a cruise? It would be great to hear his firsthand account, and that's from Tom in Seal Beach, California. I never did a recap of the cruise. I don't think you did. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. So we went on a Royal Caribbean ship out of Miami called Oasis of the Seas that uh, we had to, everybody on the ship had to be vaxxed unless they were kid under five. Normally, the ship can hold maximum capacity of about, I think it's about 6,900 passengers. We sailed with, I found out from one of the officers, we sailed with 3,984 passengers. What they're doing is they're selling the most expensive cabins on the ship on down till they hit the capacity they're comfortable sailing with. And that way, there's not as much contact one person to another. You're sailing with a smaller number of crew members as well. So they're sailing way below normal capacity. Everybody had to be COVID tested before going on the ship. And I know the cruise ship lines are changing rules all the time. Just before we went, Royal and the others had done away with the rule that even though everybody had been vaxxed and tested, anytime you were anywhere in proximity to other people except outdoors, you had to wear a mask 
uh, the week before we sailed, that went away. That's nice. And there's going to be continual changes with the cruise lines and their rules over the summer. And one thing I'm sure you're going to see is people become less worried about COVID. Passenger counts are going to keep going up. That uh, We've been on two cruises. The first one that sailed from U.S. waters uh, after COVID had shut everything down in June of last year, and then the one in March that we went on for my son's spring break. And the one we went on in June of last year, the ship um, ended up with an extremely low number of passengers versus capacity. So we were at almost two-thirds capacity, and you're going to see those numbers climb. The port experience was like a normal port experience this time, where June of last year, we weren't allowed off the ship unless we went on a hermetically sealed tour of the cruise line, which was Celebrity. So that's a synopsis of it, and we had a great time. I live in Texas. I disagree with what you herald is so great about power in Texas. Several people wrote about this one. Most of us outside of the large cities have to be connected to electrical cooperatives. We cannot choose our power suppliers. Talk about monopoly. I have solar and supply 98% of my own power, but still have to pay $33 monthly customer fee. Also, unless you are here in mid-February 2021, it's easy to raise up Texas's power options. ERCOT manages the power distribution in most of Texas, contains the word reliability, which is not at all true. And that one was from Celia. Celia, you know, when I, I want to thank both of you and others for your impassioned response to what I said about monopoly power. So let me talk about Celia first. So you actually gave me exactly why I oppose the monopoly power driven system for electricity. Here you are a captive to a monopoly co-op and co-ops were a good thing at one time. Now they're part of the problem. And so you were in a position where they're like, well, we don't like that you're supplying most of your power. So we're going to charge you $400 a year just to breathe because you chose not to buy most of your power from the power company. Now the big danger And what the co-op is doing, and this is like the kind of thing, if you go way back in history, I use this reference from time to time, the first Star Wars movie, when they talk about how the tighter the emperor squeezes, the more people slip through their hands. And that's what the monopoly power industry is doing, because they're creating market incentives for you to completely degrid from the co-op. And get that $400 back in your pocket. You could potentially do it with a uh, propane tank backup when you don't have enough energy from your solar system. You could go to backup batteries for your solar system. And when the sun's really bright, as it is in Texas, and you're generating excess kilowatts, instead of sending them to the co-op, you send them to your own batteries, which get cheaper and cheaper, and you provide your own power degridded. As for the issue of what the power companies pay for solar that you generate in excess, if the power companies really don't want that solar from you and they convince the regulators to lower the compensation to people who generate excess kilowatts, 
then put in your own batteries in your home. Don't give any excess power to the power company, and then you're in control of those kilowatts, and you don't get into this thing where the monopoly power companies are so unbelievably politically powerful that they're able to stack the deck against you. Now, the Texas thing, the reliability issue, the ERCOT thing. So Texas had a human disaster last year that cost lives because there has not been, even to this point, enough redundancy built into the power system in Texas. So when things got cold and all the plants froze up, people froze to death. It was a human and unnecessary tragedy. And Texas has made the decision moving forward, they're not going to fix that because with the system, without having the redundancy, they're able to generate unbelievably cheap, affordable power. Not as reliable as it should be to protect people's lives, but really, really affordable power. But just because Texas has that part of this wrong, they have it overwhelmingly right by separating the production of power from the transmission of power from the delivery of power that has created a wide open competitive marketplace. And that's what we need to be doing across the United States. So Clark says it's wrong for car dealers to mark up prices due to the current shortage of vehicles, but it is fine for Clark to sell his car for $19,000 more than he paid for it. Explain how that makes sense, Dan. Dan, beautiful point, but that was not actually the point I was making about why Ford and GM and other manufacturers are so intensely angry at their dealers and are now threatening by reducing supply of vehicles. My thing is about the dealers trying to eliminate the free market sale of vehicles that if you shouldn't be a protected class then you allow the free market to set the price. And if you want to mark your vehicles up all you want, fine. But then in turn, GM and Ford and Chrysler and Toyota and Honda and Nissan and whoever I'm missing, Hyundai, Kia, they should be able to sell vehicles direct too. Tesla should be able to sell vehicles direct. They don't use dealers. But now in state after state, the State Automobile Dealers Association is interfering in the free market, using influence in the legislatures, any competitive practices to prevent Rivian, Lucid, whoever else is coming along, who's an electric vehicle manufacturer who wants to sell direct to the public, preventing them from being able to have dealerships in the state because the dealers are terrified of competition. So if you go to a competitive open market, fine. Sell the vehicle for whatever you want. Just like I sold my vehicle to Carvana at a huge profit above what I paid for it, let the free market rule. Can you get the idea 
all this libertarian stuff in me, free market stuff. As often as I've heard you talk about HVAC thermostat settings, I don't ever remember hearing you talk about changing the filters regularly. I change my filters every month and I'm amazed at how quickly they get dirty, which is why I change them more frequently than the recommended maximum of 90 days. I wait until I find a deal at Home Depot or Amazon and then buy a case of 12. Dust and debris in the filter slows down the flow of air, forcing your heating or cooling system to work harder to maintain a comfortable temperature in your home. This wastes energy and adds to your utility bills. Heating and air conditioning make up nearly half of the energy costs in a typical U.S. home. A clogged filter causes those systems to use 15% more energy, according to the U.S. Department of Energy, and that's from Henry. Henry, uh, you're completely right. I've even done a TV story on it, and I forget to mention it when I talk about ways to save on your energy bills. I apologize, you're right. And we had a few about this answer that you gave as well. Um, Why can't you just answer the dang question? Like my dad used to say, you ask him what time it is and he tells you how to build a watch. Mark (laughs) asked how I-bond interest changes and if he should buy them before April, in April, or after April. You then went on a five-minute rambling answer about the history of I-bonds, including how much interest they paid when you bought them decades ago, as if that helped answer the question. In the end, you never came close to answering his question. He didn't ask for a history lesson. Please just answer the question that's been asked. I know you can do it. Focus, focus, focus. And that's from The Jet. Thank you, The Jet. And so I went way too long on my explanation. The point I was trying to make is that there's a great deal of misunderstanding about how I-bonds work and how uh, what I went into was the history of how it's changed over time to not give consumers, small savers, the quality of deal they used to get. So now you're only buying an inflation play where before you got the rate of inflation plus a return on your money. But right now, even at 0% return and just getting the inflation rate, Buying Series I savings bonds is a smart decision. You can buy up to 10000 each year per person in your household. Clark stinks like a creature from another planet. He recently told a luxury apartment resident whose complex wouldn't fix the security doors to contact the local news to push the management to fix it. In what world is it a good idea to go on TV to publicly advertise the fact that your home has bad security? Does Clark think a big sign on the door that says, rob us, please, wouldn't be effective enough? And that's from MH. Okay, thank you, MH. Um, So anybody who comes up to that apartment complex who's up to no good sees they can just drive right in. Uh, Yeah, maybe somebody's watching the six o'clock or 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock news or whatever. And they say, hmm, crime opportunity here. I'm going there. They're sitting ducks. The idea of that is to create the embarrassment on management that they fix the problem because then once it's on the news as well, they then face moving forward an enhanced liability risk. So I want to thank all of you for what you have shared with me today. I want to tell you how much I learn from your posts, in addition to when I just run on at the mouth when I shouldn't, and also when I've given an answer that is not suitable or not complete. It truly helps me. So if you hear me say something on the podcast that just doesn't ring right or true with you, please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. 
and want you to know that coming up, I'm going to tell you ways you can waste your money more effectively. (laughs) April Fool's. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So the Federal Reserve is really starting to get worried about reputational harm and also the higher costs that we're experiencing. The idea that inflation would be transitory, which was something that a lot of people called me out on. I really thought this was a very temporary inflation cycle when inflation started appearing early last year. And it's gone on longer and more severely than I ever could have expected. Now you add in the impact of how war will play out in Europe and how that affects the supplies of things that will lead to higher prices. So the Federal Reserve is going to aggressively raise interest rates. You look at what economists are guessing, it's about a one in three chance maybe we end up in recession. The good news is the economy has been very, very strong of late. There's a lot of money sloshing around, maybe not in your hands, but overall, there's a lot of money sloshing around. And the Federal Reserve, we know about the headline interest rates, but there's also money that they have pumped into the economy that they will steadily remove. And that in itself will help with some of the inflationary pressures as well as the increase in interest rates. And the Congress is not going to spend money with huge deficits like they've been doing, unless, of course, we get into serious war, which is a whole different conversation, what happens to an economy. But for you, most immediately, it means that any variable rate debt you have is going to face one increase after another after another, and that's going to hit you. So any credit card debt, credit card debt overwhelmingly is variable rate debt and will go up within weeks of every interest rate increase that the Federal Reserve does. That's number one. Number two, there's a big tendency right now for people to take out HELOCs home equity lines of credit. We've had a big run-up in value of homes. A lot of people, even not having been in their home a long time, have a substantial amount of equity. And you're like, huh, get this mailer about this home equity line of credit. I can take it out, cost me just a couple hundred dollars, set it up, and they'll lend me this much money. 
and the starter interest rate is fill in the blank 4%, whatever it is. Okay, so home equity lines of credit, banks are really smart at using psychology on us and getting us to put these in place, take money out, require early, we only make interest payments. And then over time, the interest rate goes up. And as Federal Reserve raises rates, the interest rate will go up on the home equity lines. And then down the road, suddenly you have to pay principal back and interest. And it's like, oh my goodness, I can't make that payment every month. Please be very careful. Even if you do set up a HELOC, how you use it. The only real purpose that I support for a HELOC is to do improvements to your home. I mean, you've got to really twist my arm to give me a reason to use a HELOC for uh, paying off higher interest credit cards or uh, things like that, that where you're taking lifestyle debt and putting against your home and putting your home at risk. Home prices are going to moderate. And that's in most of the country, not everywhere. Because we're reaching that point, and with the higher mortgage rates, we're reaching the point where the ability for people to afford a house is shrinking. And you're going to find that we get at some point, I believe by late spring, where we'll have, instead of an extreme shortage of houses for sale, we'll be much more at equilibrium in a lot of markets in the United States. And when that happens, that means home prices don't continue the path upward. Now, I said as mortgage rates rise. So here's the wild thing. Mortgage rates do not go up based on the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. Mortgage rates go up because the people that will lend money to you on a mortgage are worried about their dollars devaluing over time from inflation. And that's why they demand more interest. Now, if the Federal Reserve is successful at reducing the cost of living, if inflation settles down, then you'll see mortgage rates also be in a position to come back down. But because right now the Fed has lost a fair amount of its credibility and people are worried that inflation will be baked in as a long-term thing, that's why people who lend money for mortgages have been pushing up rates. And student loan rates, there, many of them are variable. You'll see those go up. And the most important thing in a time of rising rates is to reduce your outstanding floating rate debt. Floating rate, meaning the interest rates migrate right now upward. And so that's the discipline we need to have is to do what we can within our budget, even in a time of rising prices, to spend less so we have more money to put towards the floating interest rate debts we have. And I know that's much easier for me to say than it is in your life to be able to do, but that's where the mindset needs to go. And with that having been said, Krista, you have some questions for me. 
This is from Kathy in Washington. I'm single and own a home that has appreciated quite a bit. If I sell it now, my gain will be around $250,000, and I know that amount is tax exempt. By the way, I've kept track of all of my improvements over the years and have already added those to my basis. I'd like to stay longer in my home, but I'm obsessing about the fact that future increases in value will be taxable. I know I'll pay lower capital gain rates on future increases in value, but I can't stop feeling that I should sell the home now and start over in a new house so I can take advantage of a new $250,000 exemption on the house. Do you agree I should sell or do you think it's okay to stay longer in my current home? Okay. So interesting question. And there was a time period very early when we had the 250, 500 exclusions that there were people that were nomads. They'd live in a place a couple of years at a time of rising home values. They'd sell it, move to another one, live in it a couple of years, sell it, move on, and keep pocketing the gain tax free. You're not doing that as a long term. Uh, as long-term play. So if you love your home, you love the neighborhood you're in, remember selling a home is not cost-free. You have selling expenses involved, commissions and the rest, and you got to pick up and you got to move. There's disruption in your life. And the capital gains tax beyond the 250 is not at a terrible rate. And so it's much lower than how Income is taxed. So if I were you, unless everything in your life is about maximizing tax-free return on your money, I would stay in the house that you enjoy and you love and know that any gain beyond 250 is a good problem to have because you will pay a portion of that in tax. Let's say you stay long enough and you're really hating me because now you're at $500,000 gain. So you get two fifty free, and the other two fifty you have to pay approximately fifty thousand dollars in tax on. Let's just use those as round numbers. So now you got four hundred fifty thousand in get net gain after tax, plus whatever you get for the proceeds of your house. And I mean, it's just great money to have. And unless you're a nomad, and it doesn't sound like you are. Kathy, I think I'd stay, because where are you going to go anyway? You're going to have the problem of finding a place that you're comfortable with, a neighborhood you like, and a house that you're as happy with as the one you're in. This is from John in Texas. Regarding my favorite store also, just see my Kirkland Signature sweatshirt that my wife hates. Where are the Kirkland suitcases? I was so excited to finally have a reason to go buy a new carry-on, but I only see one brand in the store, and even online is extremely limited. Is the luggage another victim of COVID supply chain challenges? You know, I think it's uh, a real mystery to me, and I assume that Costco got rid of the Kirkland Signature luggage line when people stopped traveling like they were for a good while in COVID for basically two years. People are traveling again. Hope springs eternal. I know this means I'm a complete loser, but over and over again, when I'm in Costco, I go down that aisle because my KS suitcase is really getting long in the tooth. And I'm like, there, there's still not one. When are they going to have the KS luggage again? But I will tell you, their rival, Sam's Club, makes a fantastic carry-on suitcase, a member's mark suitcase that is $59. 
And I've been using that since my Kirkland got so beat up. And I've been really happy with the members mark at $59. So that is an alternative. And you hear that, Costco? You made me do it. You made me go to Sam's and buy their private label because you're asleep at the switch with the KS suitcases. This is from Mark in Oregon. We paid off our house early and still have home title protection on it. Is this something we still need since the home is paid for? Yeah, so you only have to pay the title insurance one time. And I don't know if you're talking about something else, but... I think it's one of those title lock programs. Okay. Are you guessing? or He gave me the name, so I looked it up and that name is... All right, so we're talking about a different thing. What you have, hopefully, is you have an owner's title insurance policy that you bought that protects you from the risk that somebody were to go through a pretty elaborate con to try to steal the equity of your home or steal your home out from under you. What you're talking about, based on what Krista's research is, are these things that are very heavily advertised where you have a service that supposedly is checking to make sure nothing's going on with your your home title, nobody's applying for a loan against or anything like that. It's like an alert service. Now, many counties around the country have a registry you can sign up for. I wish I could say every county did and every state did this, but they will notify you if there's any action against your title uh, because the risk is very remote of somebody trying to impersonate you and either steal your home or steal the equity in your home. Very rare. Most often it happens when a house is a house is in, a, in an estate where somebody's died and the, the kids or administrator or executor aren't getting around to taking care of things. That's usually when somebody engages in title fraud and strips equity from a home, not usually when somebody's actively living in it. I'd like you, Mark, to check and see if your county does offer a registration notification service. If they do, then you absolutely don't need to pay for this subscription service, the notification service. And otherwise, it's really your call. I'll leave it to you. But I don't recommend when people ask me if they should buy it, I generally don't recommend that you buy it because this is a very rare crime. But when it does happen, it is pretty brutal. And I want to tell you, I hate that we get thousands of questions each month and we get to just a tiny fraction of them on the podcast. And that's why I want to make sure that we have information for you every way and everywhere you turn with Clark.com, with ClarkDeals.com, our free newsletters, our free one-on-one advice that we offer through the Team Clark Consumer Action Center. You can see about it at Clark.com slash CAC. The idea is I want you to be empowered in whatever way you want, on whatever schedule suits you best, whatever format serves you. I want you to know that we're in this together. And I want you to have the power to have more control over your wallet and your life. 